0: With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's guest is Dr. Pen Van Lummel. He is an internationally renowned cardiologist with over 30 years of research on near death experiences. He is the author of the book Consciousness Beyond Life The Science of Near Death Experience. And he has published a now-famous study of NDEs in the reputable medical journal The Lancet. Dr. Van Lemmel, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. You're welcome. In your book, Consciousness Beyond Life, The Science of Near-Death Experience, you talk about how there is a materialistic explanation for everything you accepted up until a certain time when you changed. Can you tell us what made you change your mind about this?
1: Well, a medical school university we learned that consciousness is a product of brain function and that what we accept and it's still in the medical community and neuroscientists still believe this never proven assumption and it was also my opinion but when i have read a book in, now the first time i ever heard about a death experience was in 69 just starting my specialization in cardiology that was one of the first coronary care units in the Netherlands. And um, CPR, resuscitation, cardiopulmonary resuscitation was just new because we just start the electrical defibrillation and the external chest uh, uh, compression. So we say, we always forget that people before 1967 all died of cardiac arrest. So CPR was due. And in 1969, we had a patient who resuscitated with several times of defibrillation, and he regained consciousness. And we, as a resuscitation team, were very happy. I was the doctor in charge. But the patient seemed to be very, very disappointed. And he told me about uh, music, a tunnel, uh, wonderful landscapes, et cetera. And I've never done anything with this. Uh, until I read a book about the death experience by George Ritchie, Return from Tomorrow, who had an extensive death experience as medical student in 1943. He died of a double pneumonia, and there were no antibiotics available for him, so he died, and he was dead for about nine minutes. So his body was covered with a sheet. And the nurse was so upset that this medical student had died that he persuaded the doctor to give him an injection right into the heart with adrenaline, which was quite uncommon in that time. And he regained conscious after nine minutes. And he wrote a book about this deep near-death experience. And the moment I have read this book, I started to interview my patients who had survived a cardiac arrest in 1986. And within two years, out of 50 patients who had survived a cardiac arrest, 12 told me about the near-death experience. And that was the moment that I really s- my scientific curiosity started to grow because I had always read that it was impossible to experience consciousness, that alone enhanced consciousness, with cognition, with emotion, with memories. At the moment, you have cardiac arrest because we know that people are deep unconscious. So that was the reason we started a prospective study in 1988. In a total of three hundred forty-four patients who survived a cardiac arrest, And we found that 18% of those patients had um, a near-death experience, so an enhanced consciousness. And we tried to find out if we could have an explanation for the cause and content of the NDE. So we talked to all those patients, we interviewed them, and we found out to our surprise that there was no medical explanation at all that why only only 80% of those patients reported a near-death experience. So, all patients, 3 to 44 patients, had been unconscious due to cardiac arrest. And there was no difference in the group of 82% of the patients who did not report an ND the 80% who did report an ND in the duration of cardiac arrest, two minutes or eight minutes. The duration of unconsciousness, five minutes or three weeks in coma, didn't matter at all. So, the severity of anoxia, lack of oxygen in the brain, did not matter at all. And then the given medication. When people have complicated uh, CPR with artificial respiration, they have high doses of medication as well. Didn't matter at all. Uh, Religion: Mm -hmm. if they were Christian or or atheist, didn't matter at all. Uh, Fear of death: a psychological explanation. Didn't matter at all. So we found, to our surprise, that there was no scientific explanation at all why only 80% of these paper, people people reported an NDE. And uh, so that was the moment that I should ask myself, how is it possible that people with cardiac arrest can have this enhanced consciousness? So the second part of our study was also a longitudinal study where we interviewed all patients who survived cardiac arrest with an NDE. And we had a matched control group of patients who had also survived cardiographies, but without an NDE, to see if if they have a different transformation, because we know that people after uh, after an NDE have a transformation. And we found out that only patients with an NDE had a classical transformation, which means no fear of death anymore. They are convinced there is an afterlife. They have a new insight what is important in life, that is unconditional love and empathy. First, towards yourself. Accept yourself. Accept your own negative aspects. Everybody has it. And it is hard enough. And then accept and have empathy, compassion towards others and towards nature because they feel connected with everybody, with everything. That's why an NDE is also called the, the experience of unity, of oneness. And the third aspect of self is to enhance intuitive sensitivity. They feel and know what other people think and feel, and this this very uh, big problem for them because they don't want to know about other people. And uh, and we found out so that the transformation is the let's say the objective uh, proof that the people have an NDE because NDE is still a subjective experience, but because with all the patients we talk to and also we have a lot of other patients not in our study that they have um, the enhanced consciousness with cognition, with the possibility of perception out and above the lifeless body. Uh, Memories from early childhood, sometimes in fresh forward, seeing future events as well, meeting deceased relatives, seeing a being of light and feeling unconditional love and feeling total acceptance. Uh, That's not to be explained by brain function because there have been studies done what happens in the brain during cardiac arrest? And we know that may have cardiac arrest. There have been studies done in uh, let's say where you have an implantation of an ICD, an internal defibrillator. You have to do the, the threshold testing in the past we did Then you have to induce cardiac arrest. And we and we do it we did it with EEG measurement, that is the registration of the electroactivity activity of the brain, EEG. We found that those patients uh, lose consciousness within seconds. The blood flow to the brain, through the carotid artery, is zero within seconds. The body reflexes are gone, which is a function of the cortex of the brain. The brain reflexes are gone, so the gag reflex, the corneal reflex, and widened pupils don't react to light. And the clinical findings of those patients, the breathing center, closes to the brain stem stops functioning, which is the people have play they, don't, they breathe, don't breathe anymore. And when you have the registration of the EEG, you always see within 10 to 20 seconds there's a flatline EEG. So the objective findings and also the clinical findings show us that there is no brain activity at all within, well, let's say, after 10 to 20 seconds. So this uh, and we know that no patient in a coronary care will be Resuscitated within 20 seconds. It always takes one or two minutes. At best, but usually much more. So we know that all those patients and our study and also other prospective studies that they must have had the flatline EEG as well. And because this enhanced consciousness without a functioning brain, we have to, again, discuss the never-proven hypothesis that consciousness is a problem of brain function.
0: Can you give us some examples from your book of stories that have impressed you the most?
1: One of the examples is a, a, a man of 44 years old who was found in a meadow. And uh, he was brought into hospital. It took about 30 minutes before he was in the hospital. He was already cold and blue. No respiration, no circulation. His pupils were white and didn't react to to, uh, to light. No breathing. So the first thing the nurse was doing is he wanted to intubate the patient and he found out that he has tech, still dentures in his mouth so he took out the dentures and put it somewhere on the crash car and he gave him artificial respiration and the CPR took about one and a half hour which is quite long but he was a young man so they tried on and after one and a half hour he had blood pressure he had circulation but he was still deeply unconscious and needed artificial respiration so he was transferred to the intensive care unit to continue this artificial respiration. And after one week he regained consciousness and was transferred back to the cardiac ward. And the moment he was there and the nurse came in he said, oh you know where my dentures are. Mm. And he told the nurse you were there when I came in the hospital. You took my dentures out of my mouth. He took it somewhere in a slide underneath a car with all those bottles on it. And he could describe in detail the appearances of all the nurses and doctors who were busy we were busy with the CPR. I could describe from a position out and above his body the resuscitation room where he was you where know, the CPR took place. Where He was brought in in Cobra and he was transferred out of this room in Cobra. But you could describe everything in too detail. So the nurse was very impressed and I was impressed as well. So it proved that there is a political perception from a position out and above the body and he also had a lot of aspects of the death experience, when the brain doesn't function at all. It was a really bad shape if came in the case of a
0: Since people are able to remember their experiences when their brain is basically not functioning, to me that means that memory should also exist outside of the brain. Do you have an opinion on that?
1: My opinion is that the brain and body, but especially the brain, has a um, let's say, filter function or a, a transceiver function. It transmits information from the body and senses towards consciousness and it receives information from consciousness into the body which is called our waking consciousness. So when we are awake, we have waking consciousness which is just a part of this enhanced or non-local consciousness. Non-local consciousness means that there is no time and no space during this consciousness where people haven't life review here, they can talk for a week. Part what happens, but they they, try to dress took just one or two minutes. So there's no time and no space. They have see things from the past and see things from the future. And everything at the same moment. So uh, and also they have memories from early uh, childhood but usually you don't remember when you're awake. So that you have access to many more memories than when you were awake. So your brain has a filter function as well. You don't remember everything. But you remember such a lot also not only what happened in the past, but you what you see is you see your life back. And not everything not only everything what you have done, but also everything what you have said and everything what you have thought is kept forever. And also the influence of others. So when you took from your five-year-old uh, sister, some thing, you feel how shared she is. So you're connected with the consciousness of others as well in the past. So you're totally connected with everything and everybody, beyond time, beyond space. So everything is stored outside our body in and in, in, in outside our brain. The brain has just a function of, of uh, just limited function. And uh, it's not in our brain, but we need our brain, so the brain has not a producing function, but the brain has a facilitating function. It makes it possible to experience consciousness and to experience memories, but not the whole, whole memories, and not your whole consciousness.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Is that clear? Yes, okay. it's very clear. And I kind of say, you know, it's almost like the brain is kind of like a radio. the The radio waves are out there. You just you know, you have to tune it in to get it. It's kind of like your consciousness is out there and the brain tunes it in to express it.
1: I I compare it sometimes with iCloud. So there's one billion websites or one billion YouTube films and you need a functioning instrument like an iPhone or a laptop or a computer to receive some aspects, some films or websites from this iCloud. But... What you see in your computer is not produced by your computer. It receives the information from the cloud. And the cloud is accessible all over the world. But the difference with the consciousness is the speed of light in electromagnetic information exchange for the iCloud. But consciousness is instantaneously beyond time, beyond space. After people to- understand that also your television set. Mm-hmm. You know, But your television set doesn't function. There's still a program. Mm -hmm. They need another television set to see the program again. So also the television, also the radio is just a receiving uh, instrument.
0: After interviewing many NDE experiencers, I've come to find that some of them will admit that there are parts of their NDE that they will never share with anybody, or they will only share them with other NDE experiencers. Have you ever come by that?
1: Well, they're extremely reluctant to share their energy with others. And that's because and they, they're so overwhelmed by this experience that they try to share it with others. Like see, they share it with the doctor, they share it with the nurse, they share it with the partner, with the family members. And nobody believes them. They just said, oh, just have a vaccination here, ask some medication, you will go forget it. So people don't believe them. And that's a very hard uh, problem for them. So, it sometimes takes 10 or 20 years before they are able to share their experience with others. And this period is... so. And it is a, a, a spiritual trauma. There's a lot of depression, a lot of loneliness, a lot of uh, homesickness because they have had this experience which was more real than real for them that nobody believes them. But as last when they have found someone who can listen without any comment, without any prejudices. They can start to accept the experience. And later they can try to integrate a new insight into their life. But it will sometimes take 30, 40 years. So that's why they are so reluctant. And especially the enhanced intuition, the sensitivity that they know sometimes what is going to happen with other people. They know that when they see somebody, he will die in three months. And he will die in three months. It's frightening for them. And they don't want to share it with others. So you have to ask for it. You don't have you ever talk about it spontaneously
0: i think what i was trying to say is even these people who do share their experience there are certain aspects of their experience that they won't tell anybody for example i had a guy recently who said that when he popped out of his body it was almost like a sensual experience
1: like a what kind of thing?
0: kind of almost like a sensual kind of experience? it was almost like a sensual or experience the act of actually okay. popping out of his body mm.
1: so that's that's an interpretation of the feeling mm. and it's not about the content of the uh, of the experience but about how they experienced it uh, I've spoken to talk to, to hundreds or thousands of people have that emails from all over the world, tens of thousands of people email me. And they usually are very open to me, because they know that they will accept of each other. they know I'm open. Mm-hmm. So depending on who they talk to, they will be very open. To that
0: makes sense. It seems like there are usually two outcomes. They either leave their body into a place of blackness that's calm and peaceful, or they will travel somewhere like through a tunnel to a place cloud-like that's Overwhelming with love. Um, My point is, at least when you pop out of your body and you're only in the place that's black and calm and peaceful, do you think that's a result of when you're free from your body, you're no longer reacting to the chemicals of your body, whether they're produced by yourself or, you know, caffeine or alcohol?
1: No, when you're out of your body, there are no physical instruments anymore left. Mm-hmm. So what what happens when you're going out of your body? In and then the first thing they, they realize, oh, is this death? I am I am I dead now? And then first thing following is usually an out of body experience that they see their own resuscitation CPR or their own surgery from a position out of the body, and they see a body there. Like they said, that's my body, but that's not me. I'm here. I'm totally fine. I'm feeling good. I'm happy. And then they can come into a dark space, which sometimes can be frightening as well. About 15% of the people then they have a frightening aspect of this dark space. And then they see a small light that they're attracted to and they describe it as a tunnel. And then they come into the other wealthy dimension with beautiful colors, beautiful landscapes, etc., as we told before. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're prob- they come consciously back into the body at the end of the end. It's it's awful to come back to the body. Their consciousness is much too wide to fit in their body again. And the body is again with, a, with the problems of the disease as well. If you had a, uh, a coma, uh, broken legs, a uh, traffic accident, uh, myocardial infarction, etc. So back in your diseased body as well, and, you, and your consciousness, is much too large to fit in this body.
0: Why do you think people yeah. say that their NDE is more real than their life here on Earth?
1: They experience it because they, they, when they are back in the body and back in this world, they say the world up here is more like an illusion. And what happens there, what I experience there is more real than real. It's felt like home with the capital. This is how This is where I come from. This is where I belong. This is where I come from. So that was far more real than the illusionary aspects of this physical world.
0: What do you think about um, critics who say that when people are experiencing an NDE, they're really experiencing a reaction with DMT produced by their own brain?
1: Well, first of all, there's hardly any DMT. The way it is to, there is some. Uh, DMT in the brain, in the apophysia, I don't know exactly the, the, the English word for it, but it has a half time of about one second mm. and it is a small amount of DMT. So, and it's you, your brain stops functioning, it's, it disappears within one or two seconds and the and E can take minutes. And we know that from the out of body experience, etc. And we also know that uh, DMT like ayahuasca sometimes give experiences a little bit like and but not exactly the same usually it can, can give hallucinations as well and terrific aspects as well uh, but there are examples of a positive and the e-like experience with transformation that also with lsd also with psilocybin uh, as well so there are some Jerks can sometimes, in circumstances, some circumstances, give an, ex, an experience like an NDE. They don't have all the experiences, all the elements of the experience as people with a real NDE.
0: Yeah, I personally always thought it wasn't due to DMT because the people who do use DMT and smoke it will say that even though they have this experience, they generally cannot remember it, most of it. And when they come down from it, they'll have a pen and paper sometimes, and they'll try to write it down.
1: So the, the, the main uh, p- uh, problem for me is that I just only compare uh DMT-like experience or an like experience. Then there is transformation. Then they remember what happened to them, and there is new insight in what is about life and death. And that is rarely happens.
0: How have you changed over the years doing all this research, personally?
1: Yeah. Well, I was educated as a, let's say, a more agnostic family. We had a Bible, but there was no, I was not committed to a church or so. And after I've met many, many people within NDE, I started to read a Bible, but also to read the Vedas, the Panishats, to read the, the Tibetan Book of the Death, the Kabbalah, uh, Gnostic Christianity, etc. So, um, and then you see that this kind of experience had been there in all times, and all, uh, all religions and all, and all cultures as well. So Plato has written about it, the soldier of Earth. Uh, Plato has also written that the... The body is just a temporary carrier of the soul who is eternal. So it's exactly the same insight has been through all times and all religions. So I changed my insight as well. When I was young, I believed that consciousness is just a part of brain function. And that death was the end of who we are. But now I am really convinced that there's a continuity of consciousness after the death of the body. So we we have a body. And we are consciousness. That's a total different approach as before. So I can call them our religious. There's the really terminology from Latin, we, we it, is reconnect. Religion is to reconnect. So reconnect is everything that there is in the other dimension.
0: This is a little bit different, but it's still kind of similar to me. A lot of people in the, the UFO world are starting to believe that everything is interdimensional. Spaceships travel here interdimensionally. The beings are interdimensional. Um, you speak about it, um, the NDE is being, I think it's either consciousness being non-local, and when someone leaves the body, they may be going to another dimension. Am I correct by that, saying that?
1: Yes, it's it's the non-local realm, where everything is connected, where everything Past and future is available. And have been, in the past, it was called the Kasha field or uh, uh, sphere it was also called. So it's another dimension where everything is, and it's where consciousness is. But for me, it has nothing to do with UFOs, etc.
0: I guess what I was trying to get at is you've talked to thousands of people and I'm sure people have told you they've either met Jesus or they've met Buddha or a being of light or Mohammed. I would assume possibly that some people have even said, you know, they've maybe met angels or even beings that are non-human in form. Would you agree with that? Uh,
1: they, they have met beings of light and, and how you, you call them. It's usually they say it's a being of light or or an angel, uh, and also when they see a Jesus-like figure, they said a being of light or perhaps Jesus. So uh, they don't call them extraterrestrial beings. Mm-hmm. They don't call them okay? that. I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: I believe it was a story, uh, an anecdote from you that I heard a long time ago, and I, if I, if it's so, I it'd be great if you could um tell us again that you were at a conference speaking about yeah. NDEs and another cardiologist got up and spoke and was against it and <laughs> someone from the and someone from the audience you know got up and said oh, yeah I, I did have one and i didn't I'll want to tell you. you
1: about it i i i'll tell i'll tell you the story so yeah. there was a conference about fear that uh, attendees and there uh, were stories about and the people who told about NDE the, and the, at and the end of the conference the cardiologist, said, I'm a cardiologist for more than 25 years. I've never heard such absurd stories and don't believe one word of it. Then another man in the audience said, I'm one of your patients. I've had an NDE it would be the last one I would ever tell. Mm-hmm. Because they feel and know that these kind of doctors are not open to listen at all. So that's why these kind of doctors never will really hear a story by people who have an NDE. They know because of that enhanced intuitive sensitivity that these doctors will not listen at all.
0: Why do you feel mm-hmm. some doctors won't listen? I think they're they are they're
1: frightened. There are a lot of predators. It doesn't fit in what they have learned in medical school. It should be impossible to have such kind of experiences of, of enhanced consciousness when the body doesn't function at all, when the brain doesn't function at all, under general anesthesia when people are in coma it should be impossible that people can have this enhanced consciousness with the possibility of perception out of the body with with cognition with emotion with memories it should be impossible so they don't believe it because they are just they heard that it should be impossible and the second thing they're frightened frightened also neuroscientists are frightened because they try to study consciousness by looking to the brain and they got all the research money for this kind of studies. But when they are wrong, when they have been wrong their whole life, looking for, for consciousness in the brain that is not to be found there, they're frightened. So I know quite a lot of professors and doctors who say privately to me, you could be right, but officially they say this is total nonsense, until they retire. Mm. And then they say openly, mm-hmm. you, you are right. But I couldn't tell it because I should lose my job, could lose my research money,
0: etc. So no, they're frightened. Is it true that they don't even know exactly how the mechanism of anesthesia works? I mean, they understand that the drug crosses the blood brain barrier, but they don't know the mechanism of what's happening with consciousness and why people lose consciousness.
1: Well, well, what, we, what we know with general anesthesia that the, the communication, between the different neural centers and the exchange of information between the neural centers stops. And we need this kind of communication between neural centers and exchange of information to be conscious. So the brain is still functioning. When you have an EGG during general see, you see activity, but it is not the activity you need to have breaking consciousness. So, there's, there's, the, the communication has stopped between the neuronal centers. So, the, the, the whole neural activity isn't functioning well.
0: Would you say that there are two types of consciousness, a waking and a sleeping consciousness?
1: Well, the waking consciousness is what you experience when you're awake. And that it's just a part of the non-local consciousness. When you are sleeping, you don't experience any consciousness at all. So uh, I always ask people, Where are, Is your conscious when you're asleep? There is consciousness, but you don't experience it in your body. When you're dreaming, that's something else. So the, there is another activity in the brain as well. And you can have dreaming experience, which is also usually can be non-local. So without time and space, and sometimes you have precognition uh, dreams, prognostic dreams that you dream from some event in the future and years later you say, "Oh, that's what was my dream about: a funeral, a disaster, a marriage, etc." So uh, you can have access during dreams to the non-local realm as well. Yeah. There's okay. usually not.
0: I guess what I was trying to discover for myself is the difference between sleeping consciousness and general anesthesia because with general anesthesia you're not feeling pain or I guess even touch sensation either. But I think under sleeping you still would if somebody, you know, struck your body. No.
1: So there's a difference between general anesthesia and sleep. But still you don't are you, have, you don't have your waking consciousness, but you very easily wake up mm-hmm. by touch, by noise, etc. So there's a huge difference between general anesthesia and sleep.
0: Are you the one that first wrote about Pam Reynolds and her experience?
1: Oh, no. No, I'm not the first one. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was another cardiologist in the past. But I wrote about it in my book as well because it's a very important uh, patient. She was she had an aneurysm of a brain vessel, which is a kind of balloon in the brain vessel, which can break down and then you die. You get lots of blood in your brain, hemorrhage in your brain. So she had complaints and they found out that she had a, a very difficult location of brain vessels, that is aneurysm. And at that time she needed an operation. Dr. Spetzler used it. And to do this operation, the first they cool down the body. And uh, the brain under general anesthesia. And then they lift the body like this, the head up. So all the blood vanishes out of the out of the brain. So the brain has no blood at all. Deep under general anesthesia, and then they hurt the instrument of the, the surgeon who needed to open her skull. And she also saw surgeons in her groan looking for arteries and veins, and she didn't understand why, but they needed it for the artificial circulation machine, the heart lung machine that you use in cardiac surgery as well. And they had a very deep NDE, also meeting with these relatives, angels, light beings, et cetera. And she was sent back by her uncle who had died. And she didn't want to go back in in her body. And he forced her to come back in her body, which was a very cold experience because the body was still very cold. And then she could remember everything later. She had a very deep NDE. And what is special that during her operation, her EEG was flatlined. like And she had also things in her ears to to have uh, to see if the brainstem did function, but the brainstem didn't function at all. So there was objective proof that there was no electroactivity of the brainstem and no electroactivity of the cortex, and still they have a very deep, extensive NDE with the possibility of perception out of above the body. So it is one of the only patients where this all was measured during the NDE because normally when there is a cardiac arrest, we don't have an EEG registration. We try to resuscitate patients, and it takes minutes to put on all the EEG dots. So we usually we don't have an EEG in cardiac arrest patients.
0: It appears that some people have an NDE without actually dying or going through trauma. Yes. How is that possible? Yeah.
1: Uh, for scientific research find an explanation for the cause and content of an NDE we look for patients with cardiac arrest because we know in those patients the brain doesn't function at all they still have enhanced and enhanced uh, consciousness again with the possibility of perception cognition etc but also in other circumstances like let's say uh, a fear of justice uh, situation uh, um, Near traffic accident, the mountain lane accident, when you think this is the end, a truck is coming to your car, you think, well, this is the end, you can have the same kind of experience as well. Or when you have an extensive uh, existential crisis, a deep depression, or isolation, uh, lost in the desert, near drowning, uh, shipwrecks, uh, astronauts, which Glenn had in in the around the planet Earth. You also can have it in meditation. You can also have it without any option reason. You can also have the same kind of experiences in the end of life terminal patients, which is called end of life experience for death visions. So there are many circumstances where these experiences can happen. But for the discussion if uh, these kind of experiences happen in the brain or not, then we know Cardiac arrest patients that this that this experience happened when the brain doesn't function at all. What is interesting also to know that when you measure brain activity, let's say fMRI or PET scan, in patients who use DMT or LSD or B, you see parts of the brain stop functioning. Hmm. They have less activity in some parts of the brain. So when the brain's function is less there's more chance to have an enhanced consciousness. So that's, again, the facilitating function of the brain stops. So you're just right into this enhanced consciousness. The connection between the body and, and, uh, and consciousness has just disappeared.
0: I'm sure you've probably heard people's stories of reincarnation over the years. That's- Do you believe in that?
1: That's not about my belief. I think that what Ian Stevenson has, has studied, thousands of patients who under the age of four or five, spontaneous tell about a previous life, and it, more than ninety-five percent of the elements seem to be true. And, and also Jim Tucker is doing now the, the research in, in reincarnation, young patients. That that must be true. But Ian Stevenson has said. It's without reasonable doubt, but it's not proven by science because you cannot prove subjective experience at all. But I think the reincarnation, also sometimes people with very deep near-death experience can come in contact with a previous life as well. And you can also have these kind of experiences in, uh, in deep hyp- hypnosis. The life between life or the regression hypnosis that you can come into other lives before this life. So I think it's a reality. So, And it's because consciousness does not disappear. There's a continuity of consciousness, and sometimes these aspects of this higher consciousness makes a choice to come back in another body. And that's what we call reincarnation.
0: There is a significant amount of people that have NDEs, but there is a higher percentage of people that don't do you think ndes are happened by accident
1: no <laughs> it's depending of the age we, let's say we, we did our study in cardiac arrest patients Basically, the mean age was 62 uh, years old and we found that patients under the age of 60 had more ndes than the older part of the study we know in retrospective studies where usually by traffic accidents, and near drowning, etc. The mean age is between 35 and 45. The percentage of NDE is 30 to 40%. And there's one prospective study done in small children under the age of seven. And there was found that 70% of those patients had an NDE. So the connection between the body and consciousness is still much more open at younger age and when you're older. It's more strict. But we also found in our study that people who have had an ND at younger age in the past, they have more chance to have an ND as an adult in cardiac arrest because the connection between consciousness and being was still, again, less strict. And also in, in, in women who have been sexual abused in the past, and then they leave the body because of sexual abuse. Have more often than any as an adult, so it's about uh, everybody will get out of his body when they die. But when you're older, you will need uh, more time, uh, and, 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 and 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 the kind of rest takes two or three minutes, four minutes, and perhaps they need fifty minutes or half an hour or an hour. We know by the studies of after death communication it's about 125 million people in Europe and more hundred million people in the US have had this kind of experience. Then you have contact with the consciousness of a deceased relative. That means the consciousness is still there. So there's a continuity of consciousness. But not everybody leaves his body within the first two or three minutes of chronic arrest. That's just a speculation, but it could be an explanation.
0: Yeah, I like that. I never really sat and thought about um, what are the effects of age or the coincidences of age with NDEs.
1: And also, the other question is why did in our study 82% did not report an NDE? Uh, or did you just, is it they the, the, did you remember it? And that's why we did the, 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 the longitudinal study that we found that the transformation, the classical transformation, is only with patients with an NDE. And we know with children under the age of five, when they have had an NDE, they usually don't remember the NDE, but they all have the transformation. They all have the enhance intuitive sensitivity. So the transformation is there even if they don't remember the NDE at the younger age. And because we didn't find the transformation in and, and our group of not reporting an NDE, I think they didn't have yet the NDE. They didn't yet leave the body because they were back in the body again because they needed more time. But still, again, it's just a speculation. It's, you can hardly prove it.
0: Have you seen many people having an NDE under general anesthesia during surgery, but it wasn't a surgery that was, you know, like they had a cardiac arrest or, or they had a surgical outcome where they died and had to be brought back?
1: Yeah, there have been patients with the surgery who had cardiac arrest of a sort of loss of blood, Mm-hmm. Or complicated childbirth. Also, lots of lots of lots can happen in NDE. But also, the younger people who had an uh, tonsillectomy with ether, and they had an overdose, and then they had also an NDE at the age of six or five, of age of nine. And so they are not really quite a arrest They have an ov- overdose of ether, and then they went out of the body as well. Mm-hmm. So it can happen in anesthesia as well. Uh, general anesthesia in this time doesn't cause an, uh, an any, with and any complications in surgery, can cause the NDE. All
0: right. So, are you working on any new projects? Perhaps another book?
1: No. No, no. no. I think my book is, is quite complete,
0: and I've written
1: some articles, not too many, but all in, in uh, really important journals like The Lancet or Journal of Consciousness, all review this review articles and I lecture all over the world and I give interviews all over the world and I think that's important because, because the German generation is looking more to to youtube films than reading a book so I think the internet online interviews are important to share my insight with others as well
0: can you confidently say with 100 percent certainty that consciousness exists beyond death of the physical body?
1: Well, it's the same. There's no scientific proof, but it is beyond reasonable doubt. Because, first of all, people can meet the concept of disease relatives in NDE. And the after-death communication, which happens in so many people, in the first days, weeks, or months after the death of a loved one, they feel contact or communication with the consciousness of the deceased relatives. Sometimes sometimes see them, feel them, hear them, smell them, have communication with them, which proves that consciousness is still there. So for me, it's beyond reasonable doubt there is a continuity of consciousness. But because it's a subjective experience, you cannot objectify it. The problem with consciousness, the problem with subjective experience is we cannot measure it. We cannot objectify it. We cannot duplicate it. We cannot falsify it. So that's the problem with subjective experience. So we have to expand science into the post materialist approach where you include subjective experiences as well.
0: All right. Especially with the times in COVID right now, near death experiences have become very popular, especially with the TV show on Netflix. I know. <laughs> Is it true? Yeah. <laughs> So before we, before we go here, is there one last message of hope that you can give people? I think the main thing is that what we
1: can learn from people who have an MDE, there's the change of life inside. First of all, where you know that death is not the end, there's a continuity of consciousness. That's all about love and empathy towards yourself, to accept yourself, also in the negative aspects, that you're connected with other people, with nature, with planet Earth. That everything you do to others and also to nature will come back to you in positive and negative aspects. If you don't treat the planet well, you will feel it. We see the future. I and mean, we have to really to realize that the future of planet Earth is important for our children and grandchildren. If you go on like this, it will be the end of human human beings. So I mean you know that's not the importance of material world, about power, about money, about a young body, about uh, big car, etc. But when it is important to know the internal aspect, the spiritual aspects of life, then we will change our own consciousness. And then we'll, by changing our consciousness, we will can change the world as well. We can change the future of our planet as well.
0: I just had one last question here. Are you aware of the study where they started, I believe, putting marks on the floor of surgical rooms or put painting numbers so in case people? I you know, say you are. Is that study still going on? And do you know of any conclusions from that?
1: Yes, that's the, you talk talking about the rare study by Samparia. but we did it in our study as well in, in one or two resuscitation rooms. Uh, and never anybody saw this hidden sign, and also Penny Sartorio in British study did it, and now Sampani is doing it. The problem is uh, first of all, people are resuscitated in the street, in the ambulance, in, in the ward, in, in, in the intensive care unit, the coronary care unit, pulmonary care unit, whatever. So you cannot. In surgery in operation you cannot put hidden signs all over the hospital and in the street that's one of it second is when you're out of your body and you see your own you see the body lying there you're feeling fine you don't start to look around if there is could be some hidden sign especially for you it's what we call the inintentional blindness there have been many studies done I read also about it in my book so, in that inattention blindness is when you look or your eye for when you drive, there are not many more accidents. Because you cannot give your attention to three things. So, you need attention and intention to perceive things. And when you have not the intention to look around in our know, body experience, you will not see the hidden sign. So, uh, for me, it's the explanation. That the, the, the inattention blindness is the explanation that people will not see the hidden sign, but which is much more important is to interview patients when they had an out-of-body experience and to ask the doctors and the nurses, the family members, if what they report really happened. That is the corroboration of theoretical perceptions of out-of-body experience. And there has been a chapter written by Janice Holden in the Handbook of the Death Experience and then recently a book done with about one of the 50 Corroborated, corroborated theoretical perceptions, uh, which is called The Soul Does Not Die, publication by Ions, uh, which proved that people were really out of the body, and what they perceived really happened. I never say that they saw it, but they perceived it, because they, you don't see it with your eyes. You have a 30, 60 degrees view. You have to see details, and they're over at the same moment. You see it out and above your lifeless body. So it's perceiving. And not
0: see Alright, Doctor Van Lummel, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate you. I wish you the best. You're welcome. Have a great evening. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.